0: Hello and welcome to this special series of episodes called 29 Days of Magic. During Black History Month, the month of February, I'll be interviewing a Black woman a day who's from business and entrepreneurship, you name it, I'm going to have a chat with her. The idea for this is to show off the amazingness of Black women throughout various industries. I hope you take a listen, like, share, review, and be inspired by these incredible stories. Take a listen. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mignot, CEO of the Cultural Communications Agency, D-Flash. Each episode, I bring on a different business leader who's doing some game-changing work. And this episode is no different. I'm so excited to have Pierre Duncan, who's the Chief of Staff at the uh, Opportunity Network and creator of Black Women Work. It's going to be a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Pierre, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Laura. How are you doing?
0: great I know we're all we're both in huge studios where we're going to be recording this with like lots of amazing audio equipment
1: (laughs) definitely not that I am I am 100% in my bathroom I have to tell you that
0: (laughs) no shade no shade no shit oh listen we're all stuck at home so
1: like what are you gonna do
0: (laughs) can't complain I know here we are (laughs) it's hashtag life um But even though we are uh, home, the, the podcast still remains the same. And the first question remains the same. So, Pierre, what was your first job?
1: Okay, so my first job was I actually worked at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that Where was you feel actually... Like you're like
0: the, somebody else I, I've interviewed um, either worked at Chuck E. Cheese or something... Chuck e. Adjacent. Uh, so, <laughs> Chuck e. Cheese and Jason. Chuck
1: E. Cheese and Jason. So, yes. what did you do while you were at Chuck E. Cheese? Yes, oh my, so my boss was a large robotic rat, and oh my god! <laughs> you know, like so. I mean, I my first job was at Chuck E. Cheese, and um, I actually really wanted to work in high school. I have a twin sister, so sometimes I slip into saying we. um uh-huh. just That bad time that's kind because of you're really a twin. Yeah, we're twins. So like, um, so at the time, you know, both living at home, obviously in high school with our parents and we really, really wanted to work. We just wanted to, I think we're both very independent people. And I think we just really wanted to, you know, get the stuff that we wanted to get and not have to ask our parents. And so, um, when we had already gotten into college, uh, my parents were like, okay, you can, you can work, which of course is like the last few months of school. Uh, so, um, (laughs) you know they really wanted us to prioritize our um our studies my parents are both educators so that was super important to them so um we got this job at Chuck E cheese because one of our um classmates worked there and it was it was i mean honestly it was a job you know you you don't get paid a lot it's it's, was minimum wage um but it was it was kind of funny i just have it. first of all it's like a great you know uh you know, fun fat to drop at a party. Uh,
0: Exactly.
1: (laughs) So, um, But I think more than anything, it was just um, one of those things where you learn very early on what the work world can be like, like how hard it can be, because I was very aware of the fact that I was on the college track, you know, like I had that I was teed up for that. And that was where I was headed in just, you know, some months. And Um, I was working with people who just didn't have the same opportunities and um, and that's hard I mean they were some of them were parents um, you know and had kids and it's tough I mean it's you're at the the leisure of the manager who's trying to get coverage for the day and so it's just kind of you're getting slotted in places and um, and on top of that of course it's Chuck E. Cheese so you're doing all of the stuff that you have to do with um you know kids and like laser sounds like all these other all these other things going on around you the like robotic man starts up um yeah so I mean it was definitely like very much a first job first job like it it's like kind of a little I don't know I'm not embarrassed by it but it's funny you know it's just like a a weird thing that like of course this was her first job (laughs) but um but yeah that was my first um like actual job I would say like the first real job that I was a part of my career track though um am I skipping ahead here is this okay to to go you can you can absolutely go ahead no more okay I just want to make sure so I mean I think the the first like real job that I had though was um um I was working at the Department of Education as an intern while I was in grad school the New York City Department of Education and um it was actually really cool because um, I had decided after college, I moved to D.C. for a year and some change. This was the first year of Barack Obama's administration. And like D.C. was getting sexy again. It was mm-hmm. you know, like 23, um, 22, 23. And it was just a really cool time. And um, But actually what grabbed my attention wasn't what was happening at the federal level. It was what was happening at the city level. And there was a lot of stuff going on with the public education system at the time Uh, that was very political. And uh, the community members were very vocal. And I remember feeling like, wow, the, you know, the students don't feel like they're at the center of this conversation. Um, And that really made me feel like I wanted to be in a position where I could influence that, where I could change that. And so I honestly thought I was going to be an elected official for the longest time. And I wanted Ah. to, yeah, I know. I mean, and it's not off the table. I think it's just It's not it's not now, you know, but I definitely thought by this age at 33 that I would, you know, be close to that or have done that. Um, And I think I liked the idea of leading with integrity, like inserting that level of integrity and um, thoughtfulness into the way you're taking care of your community. And it felt like a good way to help people in the immediate community around you in really significant ways and so I'm like oh cool I can work at the intersection of education and policy and like politics and that felt really new because nobody tells you you can do that nobody's you know it's like doctor lawyer engineer teacher firefighter whatever yeah that's it those are yeah that. <laughs> those are it like that's it so like I um I came to grad school uh, up here in New York I signed it up in New York and um, while there, I started interning. I was in an urban policy program at first, and so I started interning at the New York City Department of Education. And that's actually where um, I started working as a consultant. Is what they call it. Um, it's basically part time, and I worked in the office for charter schools for you know student outreach and communications. Um, And uh, it was really, it was just like a very cool exposure. And so by the time I graduated from my program, I had made enough connections and a couple people really took care of me. Uh, My first boss, Catherine Latimer, and then this other woman, Melissa Harris, who's still a really good friend to this day uh, and kind of a mentor, big sister figure. And they introduced me to the general counsel who was looking for someone to lead their panel for educational policy, um, which was such a, like a operational sort of job, but also you're whipping votes, uh, which was super cool. Like the mayor appoints people, borough presidents appoint people, and you're wait, like basically trying to get people, trying to have a line of sight to how people are going to vote. And the idea is of course, to make sure that all of the department's proposals pass. And so, um, I mean, I literally landed at the intersection that I wanted to land at. Um, and that felt really, really cool. That felt like a really awesome sort of, um, sequence of events to happen.
0: Awesome. And so like having done all of that, like, what did you learn right off the bat? Like one, relationships matter everywhere, you know?
1: Right, right, exactly. Um, so, I mean, I think like one of the things that I really learned, um, and that job is, is absolutely networks, 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 actually the opportunity network. This is a very big thing that we uh, emphasize in our programming with our young people. Um, and it's a very concerted effort to make sure that they're, you know, learning all of the very, like very, literal ways of networking that people don't teach you like people say like relationships matter who you know matters but not necessarily how to do how to how to like make those inroads especially when you're a young person that's very scary Um, but I participated in a lot of programs growing up that I think sort of helped me understand that importance and so I was still kind of figuring out how to network I remember really hating it but it felt very organic (laughs) I was working in you know I didn't like the idea of like glad handing like walking up and like slipping your your card in someone's hand and being like my people will talk to your people you know it just felt very (laughs) like um, eh. yeah like a little ick factor you know but I think that um, how it really plays out and I think you know at this at this age I now realize this very very much so is that a lot of the best networking is super organic And I worked in this really amazing agency, government agency, that had all these really smart people um, who were super dedicated to the work that they were doing and um, looking for good talent. And so, like, literally, what happened is I said hello to the general counsel in the bathroom. And, um, And she's still another, like, good friend, somebody that I really look up to to this day who I still talk to. And I said hello. She's a Black woman also in the same sorority as me and um oh what sorority uh, alpha kappa alpha sorority incorporated
0: ah so you're an aka yeah. so you were extremely happy about our, our certain vice president yeah, oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> i was
0: one of those i was one, I was those. one of those <laughs> <laughs>
1: are you an aka as well
0: no but i have lots of friends who are and yeah. y'all have been insufferable but it's okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay i
1: was gonna say so you know how we've been acting yeah
0: yeah you you, you know if ever there was a time to act out, this would be that time, so (laughs) I I, I will applaud,
1: and be like, yep, (laughs) yes, yes, Um, but so, so yeah, so, I mean, we just chatted in the restroom, and she remembered that when I was introduced to her later, and, you know, from that exchange, got this really, you know, this read on me of, like, oh, she's confident, she's, she knows how to act and conduct herself, and you know, how to be professional and, and and whatever, you know, whatever she took is what she took, but obviously it made an impact. So relationships for sure. I think I also honestly learned about the nature of politics, which was exhilarating. And also I think I got to a point where I was a little jaded to be quite honest, but for a while it was very exhilarating because we were working on things that were getting covered, you know, in the media. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, this matters to people. Um, and has such a, a an immediate, very um, significant impact in communities and um, and so that was really cool, but I think I just learned you know how much of politics is infused into education, and that sounds obvious, but I don't think I understood how much like you know in New York City, the mayor's office is actually like very uh, inextricably tethered to the Department of Education, like they're under they're uh, under mayoral control and so um it, it was just interesting to watch how that influenced the way that we would introduce certain proposals. Um and of course, in whipping votes, I'm going to people who you know are serving at the leisure of elected officials that may not be in alignment with the mayor. And so you're trying to figure out, okay, well, what do you need? What would make you feel, you know, bought into this? And I think I learned some really great skills from that process um like just learning how to appeal to very specific needs of very you know specific people like everyone has a different angle a different uh a set of needs and interests and learning what those are is so valuable and how to try and meet people in the middle or to kind of recraft your messaging in order to to connect better with people is just a level of um communication skill building that um I think was definitely happening on the go, but I have used it in every job since.
0: You know, um, it's such an important aspect of, like, career, but also just folks understanding that it does require a level of sensitivity, but also just, hey, here's how we connect with folks. Like, right, and it doesn't right. have to, be, and it can be like a bathroom conversation. Like, I remember I ended up talking to a CEO of a huge company because we had the same boots
1: mm. in
0: the bathroom, which is mm. hilarious because I'm sure she paid full price and I got the sale. <laughs> <show. laughs> but she was like, Lofa Randall boots. I'm like, Lofa Randall
1: boots. Oh, I love Lofa Randall. Shout out to Randall.
0: So you probably know the boat like the, you probably know the I'm talking about, like the they're like this insane Vishata lover, which are like it's like butter lover. Yes and they're knee is highs. Yeah, and the yep. knee high boots and like they're like a low like a perfect low boot um low yes. heel boot. Yep. Um and we just ended up chatting and then on stage when she was like, Oh, and where is Laura? And she's because like, Laura has great taste in shoes. And she's like, <laughs> and uh, and and it was a thing and then we ended up you know, establishing a nice rapport and like to this day we're still, we're still friendly. And because it wasn't like, oh my God, I want to talk to the CMO, CEO of this company, but like, I just was, I just wanted to go to the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and usually I, I tend to be quite
1: antisocial, but like, if someone has great shoes, <laughs> I will com- comment on great shoes. I have to say something. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, it everything. is, it, it is those little things, right? Like it's those little things that make you distinctive from, Probably all the other people who probably wanted to talk to that CMO.
0: Exactly, uh,
1: and and that's the thing. So
0: you're doing all this stuff. You're like in you're, you're kind of in a good place. How do we get to be having a conversation
1: today when you've got like a bunch of cool things going on? Oh, um, so I I mean, we got introduced through Serbi Law. So um, I worked with Serbi. So Serby's a, a really wonderful, super smart woman uh, who works at Luminary. And um, so we actually met working together through my work at the Opportunity Network. Um, she did a really awesome um, uh, session for us at one of our staff retreats. And so um, so we've been connected. And actually, she's been following a project that I've been doing called Black Women Work, um, which is a social media project Um, that I started as basically a passion project to honor Black women and our contributions to the workplace and um, you know she's dropped me such supportive notes and um, I think because of that and because of the angle of what you're doing with this really phenomenal 28 days of you know Black women being awesome um, I'm I'm sure that's not the official title
0: (laughs) Close, but very close.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's how, I mean, that's how we got introduced. In, um, and I'm so thankful because I just think what you're doing is, is really wonderful and honestly feels very close to, to what I do with Black women work. Um, and so, yeah, here we are. So tell
0: us more about Black women work.
1: Um, I would love to. So Black women work uh, was a seed in my brain probably for, I mean, maybe six or seven years and I think when it kind of first came to me, I'm like, well, maybe I'll do a book where I'll, where I'll interview all of these black women uh, about their lives and about black womanhood and girlhood. And um, I don't know, I just I think I have this love affair with black women. I think they've just been the most um, influential people in my life. And um, I'm, I've always been a girl's girl. I've always been someone who really like loves my friends. That is like, quite literally how I consider my hobby is just spending time with my friends. (laughs) Like that is what I like to do. Um, I'm just constantly impressed by the women around me, to be honest. And almost all the women around me are black women. And I think that I wanted to do something where I got to highlight what I was seeing, which is the incredible diversity of what we do and how we live our lives, how we understand ourselves. Um, I don't think it's, a strange or unfamiliar concept to anybody. That the way that Black women exist, it's changing more now. I think as more more uh, Black women are able to tell their own stories and are getting those platforms and getting into those spaces uh, and making space for other, you know, women as well. But I think um, for a long time we were presented in, you know, a, a handful of ways, most of which could be kind of one note, maybe even harmful. A lot of times, harmful. Uh, in terms of imagery and what it was saying about black women on the whole, and so I really wanted to create a space, a channel that was dedicated to black women um, just being smart and innovative and community minded. and so that is Black women work. so it's an Instagram page, um, but it also has a website where the full length interviews that I do are are on there, they're written interviews. Um, and so I'll, I'll just talk to women from all different sectors, all different industries. Um, and we'll do 25, 30 minute interviews and I'll get them transcribed, edit them, post them on the website. And then I promote them on the Instagram page, which is also, I think just becoming a space where I, you know, each week I highlight, um, you know, what black women have done that week, like things that I can find in the news and not just famous people, but things, people that you might not have heard about. Um, And so, so yeah, I think, I mean, I just got to a place where I was like, I really want to create a community for black women to just see themselves and see their friends. You know, like if you go to brunch, you know, I'm sure I can just, you know, we've we've known each other very briefly, but I can tell Laura that you are somebody who is obviously extremely connected. You're very smart. And I'm sure, you know, a million black women who are just like killing it. (laughs) You know, and so like and here you are, right? Highlighting all of them this February. And so I think um, um if when you think about who you end up at brunch with, you know, like I think when you think about who who you see when you look around the table, when you look around your table, your community, um, it's probably easy to find, you know, you throw a rock and you hit somebody who's awesome and that <laughs> you know, you know, so it's like literally how, <laughs> Yeah, no, <laughs> literally that's that's like how I feel. Like I just honestly feel like that about my community. That's why I'm like, I feel like it's a little bit of a love affair because I'm just, I just think we're just so dope. And I really, really wanted to do something where it was a compliment to the work that I do on the day-to-day, which is very organizational change management. It's challenging and people, you know, people management is always tough because it's a lot about culture and personalities. But I think, you know, this is just something that is kind of creative. It's my first creative endeavor I put out into the world and that was very scary, so I'm very proud of myself for doing it. And it was the first thing I did that I think wasn't like, you know, like box checking. You know, I I did everything I was supposed to do. I went to college. I got did these internships. I got these jobs. I went to grad school. You know, I lived in these big cities. Check, 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 check. And um, at this age, at, you know, I think around 31 or so, I was like, okay, my work is way, way, way too much a part of my identity. And there's just other parts of me that need to have some air breathed into them. And so this project was very much an extension of that feeling and like a manifestation of that feeling of like, this is something that's been in my brain. Why haven't I just done it? Like, what's the worst that could happen? So, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, you know, that's, you know, honestly, that's kind of the impetus of why 29 Days of Magic exists, because... Yeah, I do know a gazillion black women, but I actually don't know them all. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'd like to. Um. But also, I think it is oftentimes important uh, for folks to see that um, black women in your everyday business are probably doing something amazing you don't even know about. And that's mm-hmm. why I've deliberately not used my actual network to find my guess for 29 yeah. and magic. Like last yeah. year was about 70, 30 in terms of people I didn't know versus people I did know. Mm-hmm. This year, it's about, right now it's like close to 80, 20, which is oh. what I want, Yeah. Um, because yeah. here's the thing. Like, I, yeah, I know tons of folks who I could easily reach out to and you probably have heard of them. I, but mm-hmm. my whole thing is that like um, we have to get to a point where you just see awesomeness everywhere you go as opposed to it being this extraordinary person who looks a certain way and wears a certain thing, does her hair a certain way, is quote unquote, unapologetic. Like it doesn't need to be all that. It can just be like, I'm doing a damn thing. I'm here. um, And I have some wisdom to share. And I think if we break it down to brass tacks, that's kind of the most important thing about this. Cause I think, you know, we don't need to always see this super heroic, inspirational story for it to like grounded in some horrible trauma mm-hmm. in order for you yep. to follow, versus, like, yeah, like, it's a great, that's a great work in policy. Also, built this
1: Instagram to celebrate the
0: Black women. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, wow. thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I mean, agreed a thousand percent, right? I just, I mean, representation is everything. And, um, I think as broad as you can go and showing how multidimensional black women can be like, we're all the better for it. Um, And it's just such a cool time because I just feel like we're seeing so many black women doing really cool things. And like, we just have so many new spaces popping up, you know, there's like a lot of new opportunities for people to shine. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a really, really cool time. And, and uh, one thing that you said that I think really resonated is this idea of like the very specific type of woman that i think we constantly see highlighted um you know she does look a certain way and and she's probably dope right like there's not not saying anything about that woman it's just that of course there are so many other women that are you know the way i said it when i started black women work was like these are ordinary women doing extraordinary things because the idea is that if you're a teacher at a high school in brooklyn Or excuse me, yeah, at a high school in Brooklyn. Like, I think that we've also had a principal uh, who's in Brooklyn. I was like, wait, (laughs) I've done both though. But like, I've highlighted, you know, two educators who work at, you know, schools in Brooklyn who are just so cool, like, just like the coolest women, and um, and so I think like they need to be shined on because. The, what they're doing for their community, the amount of dexterity they have to have in uh, the kind of acumen they're employing on the day to day in terms of the, uh, attending to the social emotional needs of their young people. And then also the management needs of running a school or running a classroom and, and the kind of intellectual curricular pedagogic needs of, you know, working within, um, within a curriculum um, and, and what they bring to that with their unique backgrounds that look very much like that of their students. um, That to me is extraordinary because we all know that like, you know, for me anyway, I only had maybe two or three black teachers growing up or, you know, principals in my life. And so I'm sure that's the case for other people too. So I think making sure that we're saying, hey, hey, look, (laughs) you know, like these are women who exist and who are doing really incredible things um, is a worthwhile endeavor. And it's 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 it, and it's necessary.
0: Um, I think you know we it 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 needs to be normalized because that's the thing. It's not normalized, and as a result yeah. of that, you're like, oh my gosh, um, and so it fills this weird vacuum whereby like you, you yeah. have to be these super extraordinary. Um, where it's just like you know, just like the smart, good woman who's there is all you really need here, because yeah. our existence is, active, is an, is an act of rebellion and resistance. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Snaps to that. <laughs> um. So it's 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 a, it's a it's a very unique space to be in. We're so excited to have Soho Works as the sponsor for the 29 Days of Magic campaign. You know, they're designed by Soho House and their workspace is to help creative thinkers, businesses, small and large, connect, collaborate and grow. And it's where I'm recording all the episodes of 29 Days of Magic. It's a safe, Wonderful and collaborative experience. Uh, I'm currently in the Brooklyn location, but they have locations, one else in New York City, in the meatpacking district, one in LA, five in the UK, and they give you that kind of home away from home feeling with all the tools, technology, equipment to help you do your best work. Uh, like I said, it's an amazing location feel safe. I've you know, been able to meet some really awesome people, which haven't been able to do a lot because of the fact of COVID. So it's been a wonderful experience being able to record here and help build community. So if you want to find out more information about it, please go to SohoWorks.com to get more information and tell them I sent you. And now back to the show. So talk to me about time when, you know, uh, you had a challenge and you're like, okay, there's no way this is going to work. Um, and then it did.
1: Um, I mean, I think uh, this is not a specific example, but it's a very meaningful one, which is um, when I I took a job that was a big jump for me. And I think I earlier I kind of talked about box checking and I've learned uh, actually through the course of interviews with black women work, how many people use this term, um, where I, I'd gone into this role with this intention of just continuing to climb, right, getting shinier title, um, more influence in the organization in which I worked, and it was really exciting and I, I made some significant changes to my life to to step into that role, and it was just such a poor fit. Um, I had never not actually done well at work, and so it was a little bit of like a blow to my sense of self and to my identity to end up in a situation where i felt like this is a poor fit and and it wasn't, you know, i'm not pointing fingers here because i feel like they thought they knew what they needed and so they hired for that and then i came in and immediately was like, "oh no, that's not <laughs> that's not like what this actually needs to be." And um, you know, i felt like my predecessor kind of left this her-shaped hole that i was sort of expected to step into and of course you can't do that because, you know, i'm like i'm, I'm my whole own person. So, um, it was hard. It was it was really hard to try and, and constantly find a place for myself and feeling like my, my skills didn't seem to be needed. Um, the assets that I, I was bringing and that I was sort of under the impression would be useful, didn't seem to be um, appreciated or useful. And so there were parts of that job where uh, I'm really trying to stay vague, but I mean, <laughs> like, but I think like part, there were parts of that job that were um, Really, really insightful and helpful. I think I got a good sense of nonprofit management, which now I, I'm in a leadership role at a nonprofit, and my degree actually, my master's, um, ended up being nonprofit management. So, I mean, this, I'm I'm right where I wanted to be, and so that was all for a purpose. But this other, this this role in particular was very hard because, um, I had to learn how to validate myself outside of work right? Like it can't be, and I'm somebody who like words of affirmation is my love language. So I really need to hear, you know, great job. This is amazing. Knocked it out the park. (laughs) Like I do need that. And I, you know, whatever, like we all have flaws. I don't know if that's good or bad, but that is what I need on some level. And, um, to be in a situation where I felt like I was really trying and, and just couldn't make up the difference felt like a failure. Um, and I'd never felt like that in a professional space before. And so um, I really had to figure out how to maneuver out of that situation and and kind of get, get the nerve to, to pivot back to something that felt right. And so I had moved cities for this. I lived in New York. I left and then I, and I was in DC and I came back to New York. And so it felt almost dumb to be like, okay, I I did all this. I made all these changes and this wasn't the right move. And so there was that element to it, too. Um, And so I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision about what I was going to do. Um, And I had just fallen in love with New York and didn't realize it till I left. Right. Mm -hmm. So many people (laughs) said that. Yeah, I really played myself. I was like, "Oh no!" Um, you know, I was like constantly resentful that things weren't openly, um,
0: you know. <laughs> but
1: I think that um, it was there was it was definitely time. It was valuable time because I have my sister lives in D.C. Uh, my close friends live in D.C. I was four hours away from my parents. Uh, I was there for the last year of my aunt's life, and. So all of those things are so meaningful to me. I'm not upset at that time, but it was very much an experience of learning what makes me uncomfortable and where I have to start drawing lines for myself and how I have to start prioritizing me um, and not prioritizing my job, not letting my job feel like the be all end all in terms of, you know, how I I appreciate myself, how I understand my uh, myself in success. And so I, I started making moves to come back to New York and, and, you know, ultimately landed at the opportunity network. And it's just been such a wonderful experience. I really identified, I want to work in a space where I'm focused on communities of color, particularly black communities. I want to work in a space where I have autonomy and agency. I want to work in a space where I feel validated in the work that I'm doing. And my, my perspective is necessary and valued. And um, I am a, an, excellent relationship builder and space maker and i'm really good at collaborative you know advancement of like organizational change type work and so somebody needs that <laughs> you know and so like just because mm-hmm. this job doesn't need it doesn't mean it's not valuable and that that comes from a place of shifting to an an internal like a sort of personal value that you have to develop like a, a i guess kind of like self worth right that is not tethered to anything external. Um, and so I would honestly say that's like my very long-winded way of saying that my challenge was coming to that realization that I needed to, to like I said earlier, breathe life into other, other parts of myself and other parts of my, my purpose and um, be, be very clear and very um, intentional in placing myself in situations that favor my needs, that facilitate you know, the fulfillment of those needs, and so, um, so yeah, it was it was quite a learning, quite a learning experience, one of those, like, okay, I learned a lot, maybe a lot of that is stuff that helps me understand what I don't want, but that helped me land in a place of something that I'm, I'm very much enjoying, and learning from, and growing from.
0: This is awesome, and, and such a great way of sort of framing that question, so thank you for, for sharing that. And it was interesting, like, I've seen lots of folks with chief of staff titles. Mm. And then I, I have friends like, <laughs> what does that actually mean? Yeah. So in 50 words or less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you can take your time. Can you just explain what that means?
1: Yeah. Um, so a chief of staff is a facilitator and a coordinator. So they're constantly making sure that everyone is moving in alignment with institutional priorities, and that those decisions are being made with the right people at the table, and that the decisions made at that table advance to action, and you're doing that with a purview across the whole organization, uh, usually. So that's that is like my very long and short answer. No, no I think that was
0: less than any words. I think you're right. Great. Right? <laughs> <That's laughs> like, that,
1: that might be the most concise I've ever been in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I wasn't
0: gonna really hold you to it. No, no, um, no. But I was like, I, I accept this challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and you nailed it. But yeah, because I think that. But like, so in in even short words, you're the you're the shot caller and point guard uh, to make sure yeah. folks know where they need to go um, and make sure that they can actually get to their, their perceived destination
1: mm-hmm. safely. Yep,
0: yep. Uh, all working together. So. I love it so you know it's a very strange time Mm -hmm. Um, we're all stuck in COVID times Um, what in the world are you doing for yourself there
1: right so I mean I'm not necessarily a new year's resolution person but it's definitely a new year's resolution (laughs) I just don't like basically I decided that I wanted to develop a routine and um and so for me, what that means is making sure that work stays in a very specific compartment in my life so that I have energy and time to spend on things that are are filling me up in other ways, right? Like making sure that I am, I'm I'm focusing on meditating and journaling. I've always journaled, my whole life I've journaled, but I'm trying to do it every day. Um, And and meditation is something that is so hard for me. I feel like my brain's going a thousand miles a minute all the time, but every time I do it, it feels so good. It, it really feels like the deepest of deep breaths, you know, and then you can kind of go about your day. And so that's something I'm working on trying to make sure I do in the morning. And then also fitness and cooking, cooking being like with the intention of like just eating better, not ordering from, you know, seamless all the time. Um, and also. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> right. I mean,
1: clutch. But I mean, COVID kind of made it so I almost had to start cooking because remember, we didn't really know at first it was like, well, can you take things from a delivery guy or, you know, is it yeah, so, you know, I, I've started cooking again, and I've always been decent, but I'm sort of really excited at how I've sort of learned to deepen My skills just feeling a lot more comfort in the kitchen and looking forward to it because it's tactile all day. I'm using my brain, and that's when I listen to podcasts, that's when I listen to music, um, and and just cook. And, um, so yeah, it can be a little hard because you can't hear things boiling or something, (laughs) but like generally, slight issue, slight issue. issue. You have to keep an eye on things, but uh, those are kind of the things that I'm doing. I also have a cat who's a little bit like a, a therapy therapy. Uh, pet roommate situation so that's really nice to to just have another living creature in this apartment with me yeah
0: um that's fantastic um because I think we all have to figure out that similar I was in the same bucket of wait you want me to do what now cook all the time oh god
1: really okay fine (laughs) is that Um, were you a, a good cook before do you think pretty good
0: um yes. but now i I probably um i think my skills have gotten a lot better i i was hello refreshing it for a, quite a while Ooh, um gosh. and that came in very handy and then i just got sick of cooking and i was like how did my mom ever do this for 40 odd years like for all of us like I my know. god <laughs> every
1: day not even well, not even time? one
0: one even one, one not even a year of this and i'm like i am so over this like <laughs> <laughs> Whatever dude I end up marrying is going to be like slowly. It's a point. I'm like, yeah, I'll cook like on the weekends. Like, and, and you're welcome. <laughs>
1: yeah, and exactly.
0: Because like this is a treat. Yeah, yeah. Like, but you know, I've, I've 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 slowly kind of been like, okay, well, I can order now. Yeah, I was that mask on, and yeah, okay, yeah, but that wasn't. I don't think I did that until oh my god, I want to say like July.
1: Like yeah. Same this, extent.
0: like, I was very much like, man, eh, nah, I don't want to die. Like, <laughs> 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 kind of important. Like, to <laughs> priorities. Um, <laughs> these are things that matter. Right. <laughs> um, and now, looking back at all the work you've done, what do you think you'd tell a uh, twenty-one-year-old peer?
1: Oh man, I think I would tell twenty-one-year-old peer to continue building her community very intentionally. Um, That has been, I I realized I didn't stay for self-care. I talk to my friends all the time Um, and they've been so important to me and my mental health. And I've always had a great community around me, but I think I would tell 21 year old peer to really like dig in more, you know, like be more vulnerable, open up more to people Um, because I just think it's important as you get older and as you're developing your sense of self um, to, to really feel connected. And so I think that's like just something, I mean, that's like a kind of random thing, but it's something that I think I would I would absolutely squeeze in there is like lean, lean into your community um, and, and really prioritize them and, and treasure them. And I think also um, for the professional front, I would probably say trust your instincts you know like i think like i i honestly have not really steered myself wrong like even when i thought i went wrong like it all kind of i wouldn't be where i am you know like it all works out um and and probably also just uh make sure i would tell 21 year old peer to relax <laughs> you know like all in due time child um i think is what i would say to 21 year old peer i think i was like just um constantly feeling like every time i i hit one box i needed to check the next and you know i was not really stopping to smell the flowers which is something i'm finally doing um, and and so yeah like i think those are those are important really take care with your community um be patient and um yeah Trust your instincts.
0: So very important and so very true. And last question for you Mm -hmm. uh, Do you have a give and or an ask of the audience?
1: Yes. um, I would say, as a give, I would like to offer that it's a little bit of a philosophy, but I think um, I'm going to borrow something. Her name is Dr. Keisha Brown, she's my career coach. And also does a number of things. so she's really phenomenal. Um, Keep Balance Consulting is her uh, company. But Dr. Keisha Brown told me in one of our coaching sessions, she said, what is your understanding of success where you can see yourself in it? And what, that, what that's really getting at is is what you're holding as an idea of success truly what aligns with your values, your needs, your skills, etc., in a way that's going to truly be fulfilling? And if you need to redefine it, redefine it. But really, like, take some time to think about what does success look like, where you can see yourself in it, where you're not, you know, feeling like you're falling short of that thing. You should see yourself in what what you think that you can, what you think you can be. Um, and I think my ask is gonna be, please, please go follow <laughs> black women work on Instagram. It is at black women work IG. Um, it's a very important project to me and, and the interviews are not, not paid or anything like that. But one of the things I really feel a pressure to do is make sure that eyes are on those interviews um, because it's such, it's such a generous thing to give your story to the world. And to trust someone to take that and put it out in the world, as I know, I'm sure you know, Laura. So um, I would love for people to go follow the account and check out the interviews on the website, which is linked to in the bio. Awesome. Um, We will absolutely do. That and sh- and sh- and
0: like share comments, all that good stuff uh, Per, you've been such a delight on the show, just warm and fun oh, thank <laughs> um, you Laura <laughs> um you know our mutual love of seamless uh, is very <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> I'm off my uh, Randall boots oh uh, yes. <laughs> I, there's no point in wearing them now. It's so annoying. I'm like, I, I have know. so much like yo, know, Century Twenty One was the plug. Oh, don't
1: <laughs> remind me. Oh no, I forgot they
0: closed. Uh, so sad. I mean it's for real. Like I, first there uh, was a sample sale, but I got like four more at at Century Twenty One. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, put in one for mommy, one for, <laughs> <two> for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, um I have a I have a pair that I haven't even opened because like I bought it and I was like at this price <laughs> yeah, yeah. My <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's such a delight and we'll put all of your details in the show notes for folks to follow you um on the pro- that's a really important project that you're t- your undertaking uh, and thank you so much for joining me on the show today
1: Thank you, Laura. I'm, I, I cannot express enough how exciting this is and how, um, how grateful I am that you asked me to join. And I'm just so happy that you're doing this, this specific project, like your podcast in general. Um, I took a listen. It's just it's really awesome. So um, keep up the great awesome. work and thank you for letting me be a part of it.
0: Awesome. Thank you so very much. Uh, and that is our show.